1: at the beach i am at the beach summer is in full swing you really can't do better than a good 1980s beach boys tune especially one of the unquestioned quality of kokomo
2: great song great group probably top 50 of all time would you say song or group either ah song might be a stretch group for sure Top 50. But uh, this is David Pridham with Brad Schief. Uh Brad, we mean business, as you know, and this is uh, part of the big uh, um, moves we're making this summer into the Salem Podcast Network coming up very soon uh, to add to all of the other outlets that we're available on. And of course, Brad, we're here each week, uh, and we are also in the middle of uh, family vacations. You're vacationing down in North Carolina. I'm up in coastal New England, Um, and uh, of course, Brad, we start every segment, uh, every show, with the first segment, and that first segment is about the two news items that people out there need to learn about, need to know about, need to be confident that they know about so they can go to work and not sound like a complete dolt, right? They take down what we say, what we tell them about the news, and then they regurgitate it at the bubbler. And people think they immediately are smart. They'll probably get a promotion, a raise, um, get that corner office you've always been looking at, or maybe you get to work from home a lot more because people think you're a raving lunatic. Either
1: way, it works to your advantage. Whether or not you get the raise or just the lunatic push towards your own home, you are better off and certainly more knowledgeable about at least two things, which puts you in the 90th percentile
2: compared to most of America. We've got some news on inflation, but first, some good news. Uh, here with us in studio, Brad. As uh, you know, everyone knows I'm up in New England. I bumped into an old friend of ours from last summer on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, remember Silas Moody? Remember the Coxman? There? I do indeed. I have missed the Coxman. So I'm 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 sitting there today uh, mm-hmm. in my Sprinter van at uh, the, the 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 port here, the local port town. As having, one does. Having a crawler and a, and, a, and a coffee. As you know, I drive my own sprinter van now. That's, that's correct. Lost yet another driver who disappeared into the night. Yeah. But that's okay. So I'm sitting there in the sprinter van. I'm having a crawler and a coffee and dip in the mm-hmm. donut. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, a beautiful sailing vessel comes into port. Right. Sort of like Johnny Depp, right? You know, coming in. On the tack, as they say. Absolutely. Yes. It's the perfect, tight um little 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 twirl jib in, yeah into the kind uh, of the jib into the uh into the space where the uh the 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 boat goes on the dock and off the boat first off the boat in a blazer hair perfect with a little captain's hat on and a corn cob pipe comes silas moody unbelievable damn good to
1: see now if you had not lost your 28th driver You would not have been there, crawler in hand, coffee in hand, just observing the world in time to see Captain Moody set foot onto the dock, and we would have been without yet another week.
2: So all of it has worked out swimmingly. It worked out well, and and, and I'll never forget the first words he said to me as he passed by me on the dock. Words along the lines of, ho there, sailor. He handed me a $5 bill and he said, keep an eye on the yacht fella. And then he kept on walking into the nearest bar again, as one does. So anyway, we've got Silas here. Silas, do you want to say hi to all of the uh, people out there in cable radio and beyond? I would be glad to. Hello everyone.
0: It's a pleasure to be here today. Pleasure. Now Silas,
1: I, I could not help but observe uh, the jaunty angle of what appears to a non nautical man, such as myself mm-hmm. to be a captain's hat. Have you been promoted from coxswain third class or is that just a, uh, an affectation on your part?
0: That's just a, just a prop, a prop a prop.
1: I
2: like it for the bars, for the ladies. Correct.
0: Correct. It's a, it's a nice conversation piece.
2: I'm certain
0: that's true. Yeah.
2: Now, does that work out well for you? Does that, uh, does that, when you go and march into a bar with that, uh, blazer oh, yeah. with the crest on it that works out yes, well yeah
0: well i have several blazers with several crests my favorite is the uh the blue blazer with the gold buttons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the bermuda, bermuda yacht club crest so you're a member of the bermuda yacht club yeah. no you're not no but you but have I, the crest correct okay yes and where do you get that blazer um i believe i got it at the salvation
2: army in the bronx oh that's nice Yes, yeah, that's nice yes yeah A man of uh, means. So anyway, this is where we start the show with the two news items that everyone needs to know about. The first, Brad, as we talked about the inflation index, it's uh, continuing to go up. It's not coming down. Uh, It surged to a 41-year high of 8.6% month-on-month. Groceries jumped 12%. Gasoline year-on-year is up 50%. Uh, The misery index is at an all-time high, or at least the highest rate it's been since 1977, Um, and it looks like there is no end in sight, Uh, but on Friday, President Biden does plan to speak at the Port of Los Angeles. Um, So, Brad, do you think, and Silas, too, speak in on this if you want. Uh, Do you think this is a a, a good idea, that uh, the president goes to Los Angeles to try to End uh, the uh, the uh, inflation nightmare that most Americans are facing, or do you think that uh, maybe more radical action should be uh, initiated? Well, I, I you know
1: as usual, I have no idea what the president thinks he's going to do at the port of Los Angeles. I mean, generally, Los Angeles is a big city, and I realize that the president travels with his own entourage, and so he can do president stuff from wherever he may be but i think if i were presiding over an economic disaster of this magnitude i would want to give the impression that i was you know at the wheel spending all of my time focusing on it so i might give that speech from the oval office might begin to address the american people talk about how i understand the suffering and that i am entirely focused on it every one of my people is entirely focused on it as opposed to gallivanting about in the port of LA unless he plans to leave the country. Maybe he's going to get on a ship and just say, you know what? I suck at my job. I've recognized it. I'm going to board the nearest tramp steamer and head for points beyond, which uh, apparently, according to the polls, most people in the United States would applaud. But I, I do find it amusing that every opportunity he has, whenever someone raises the inflation issue, he just shakes his head and goes, geez, I know it. Isn't it crazy what that war in the Ukraine is doing to our economy? And I, I, he says it as though he actually believes that and believes that the rest of us believe that, which is the most amazing part of it. It's entirely possible he does believe that. He's probably been told that by enough horseholders and sycophants that he honestly believes that the war in the Ukraine is at the heart of the inflation that we're experiencing in the United States and not the fact that our government has chosen to just dump
2: trillions of dollars into a red hot economy. Yep, that's, I mean, that's obviously a problem. And you see consumer staples, right? Food items, year on year price increases that are unprecedented. Bacon, 15.3%, beef up 12%, cereal 12%, eggs, Brad, eggs, protein. 33%. 33%. Chicken 33. eggs, duck eggs, dinosaur, alligator. It doesn't matter. Alligator eggs are up. Oh, oh, milk is up 16%. Bread is up 10%. Fruits and vegetables, including citrus that helps prevent scurvy, mm-hmm. up 9%. So, Silas, are you seeing a lot of it? On the high, you're in the high seas a lot. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, do you see a lot of scurvy on the high seas? And how does this increase impact not, your ability to fight it? Not recently with scurvy. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank what goodness. about monkeypox? I haven't encountered
0: any monkeypox as of yet. But I am sailing to the Caribbean after this, so I I don't know how it is down there. I'm not
2: sure about how the monkey box is. Are you armed on your 30. boat? Do you carry a gun? I do, mm-hmm. I do. So basically, carry- anything goes, you're, you're, you're basically the president of your little fiefdom when you're out at sea. Yes. In international waters, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that how that works in the Navy, Brad?
1: Uh, I believe that to be the case. Once you're outside of a certain distance from the shore, then you are in what they consider to be international waters, that's the way cruise ships get away with having casinos on them. So pretty much anything goes. If Silas wants to, you know, bust a cap, as they say, when he's in international waters, who's to stop him?
2: It's the captain of the vessel.
0: That's correct, Brad.
2: Yep. Well, listen, now it's um, uh, problematic that uh, everything is obviously going downhill and maybe Silas doesn't see it because he's out at sea so much, but uh, it seems like the president is... uh, is in for a rude awakening come the uh elections coming up this fall um and w- you know when you look at the way people are behaving in congress you've got these january 6th hearings that are going on about the whole trump insurrection thing the greatest insurrection since marconi's little excursion with the uh the radio um but uh look they are they're they're doing that they're, they're At the same time, they're refusing to vote on security details for Supreme Court justices who are being harassed by armed um, protesters. Uh, And the White House won't even condemn that. They won't even condemn people going to people's houses to, you know, quote unquote, protest with live ammunition. Um, So it seems, Brad, like the priorities of this White House are going to get them into a little bit of a pickle when it comes to this fall's election.
1: Oh, buddy, I, I mean, you don't have to look very far, no matter where you are. Coast of New England, coast of North Carolina, or at our normal headquarters in our homes in uh, Dallas and and uh, Colorado, respectively. It doesn't matter if you just look out your window, you will see a crazy person, probably more than one, mm-hmm. leaning extremely to the right, leaning extremely to the left. It doesn't matter. Unfortunately, the, our rhetoric over the last. You know better part of a decade has gotten us there and that's where we are so point being there's plenty of crazy people who believe they have been given the okay by this administration and you know just the progressive approach to politics writ large to go whack themselves as supreme court justice that is clear right we've already arrested one who just came right out and said yeah you know i mean i feel like this is what i should do this is what i have been mandated To do, I was going to kill Kavanaugh, then I was going to kill myself. I mean, the guy shows up in the classic, you know, amateur's version of an assassination kit with his duct tape and his zip ties and several weapons, and somehow, buddy, somehow, that is just swept under the rug. That is just looked at as, yeah, you know, these things will happen when you're in a, you know, a a Supreme Court justice. Sometimes people just show up outside your house with a complete assassination kit. On board, no American citizen should have
2: people marching around their home, armed and dangerous. No, I, I completely agree, and I think that uh, it, it you would you would think that we could all come together and condemn threats against public officials, whether it's the president or threats
1: against anyone. I mean, know. threats against you know the, the the woman who checks you out at the grocery store. It doesn't matter.
2: Well, Actually, Brad, she was asking for it. That one was. You're right, but generally, buddy, you know where I'm going with this. But anyway, Brad, uh, back to, uh, back to business, uh, this week, a uh, big tragedy occurred. Uh, of course you remember the Met Gala, I think, I believe we, we talked about the Met Gala. Earlier. We have, yeah. Um, there, there was, uh, you know, you get the Met Gala, you get all of the people, the beautiful people, right. The beautiful people from Hollywood, New York, uh, a lot of very wealthy people who are woke, who choose their pronouns very carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go and they dress and they're just, Gorgeous in their gowns and in their flowing robes. And all. It, it's just a wonderful uh, experience. I usually watch it on the TV. Um, but this year, uh, Kim Kardashian of the Kardashian family, I believe you, you, you claim to famous, she made a porn tape and then got a reality show. Um, she attended the gown uh, in a borrowed dress owned by Marilyn Monroe, the great Marilyn Monroe. Some like it hot. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Blonde, I believe. Correct, correct. Ah, so anyway, okay. Marilyn Monroe wore this dress when she serenaded President Kennedy with her happy birthday song. Oh, yes, most three. famously. Yeah, okay. This is right before the Kennedy brothers murdered her. And uh, in any event, in any event, she wasn't in the dress at the time. Um, but uh, Kim Kardashian wore that dress to the Met Gala this year and had to expand certain parts of it mm-hmm. uh, because of certain parts of her not fitting in said dress. Hmm. and uh, now there is a controversy um the uh, the dresses of course was on loan from ripley's believe it or not um was- <laughs> ripley's believe it or not took possession of that dress they own that dress yes i would not correct. have guessed that buddy i would not have guessed that okay so now there are people out there there are Marilyn monroe experts mm-hmm. right experts um who uh can't swing a dead cat without hitting a Marilyn Monroe expert my friend uh, that's true and this this is a chad michael morissette um who had visited the uh the big ripley's display in hollywood uh he is now claiming that there are a bunch of problems there are missing crystals brad on the dress in particular in some of the unmentionable areas and this has been examined by uh, uh, chad michael morissette uh, also there were other crystals that were just quote unquote hanging left hanging by a thread. It uh looks like this um uh this this dress is uh in tatters. Um and and so the question obviously becomes what do you do about this? You can't go back and turn back time and get the dress as it stood before Kim Kardashian stuffed herself into it uh, you know, so 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 we've got to sort of we' gonna sort of work through this one by one. And, and I'm not exactly sure where this fits in the show because it's uh-huh. not a self mystery. It's not a barter band, although you could have bartered before or Bander, one or the other wearing the dress. Um, but uh, obviously, this is a piece of Americana, right? A woman that yes. slept with one president of the United States, one attorney general, and the uh, holder of the longest hitting streak in major league baseball history wore this dress, um, and now it's been ruined by one of the Kardashians. So I guess the question to you, Brad, is what to do. What to do indeed, buddy. I, I did not know that the dress had
1: crystals on it, so I've been educated in that respect. I suppose if they are hanging by a thread, that's relatively simple. You just secure said thread, and I presume they are threaded to the dress, and so that seems like a pretty straightforward answer. But but I, I'd like to rewind this whole thing just a little bit, and I, I don't. Again, and it's probably just me, I realize I'm not as up on pop culture as perhaps I should be, but why in the hell was Kim Kardashian wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress to the Met Gala? Like, There are many places in that sentence that I just spoke where you could interject a stop. You'd say like, why was Kim Kardashian going to the Met Gala? She's famous. I guess that's what famous people do. Why was she given the dress? Why was she allowed to wear it? I, all of the, I, I just, I don't. What was the purpose in this? Is just a stunt that she would wear? I mean, was it an anniversary of something? Does she know someone in Marilyn Monroe's family? Did she just think it would be cute? I mean, what about Kim Kardashian? Other than her own myopic self-interest, would lead her to believe that it was appropriate for her to wear Marilyn Monroe's dress?
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the question. Apparently she talked to the people at Ripley's, right? Jack Palance, whoever does that show. Uh-huh. And the, great so, actor, Jack Palance. Great actor, great right? City yeah. Slickers, City Slickers. Yeah, too. yeah exactly. Uh, great. Yeah. Great, great, uh, great uh, sort of straight man for some of the old Westerns too, but in, in any event. Um, so they let her, they let her try it on. They, well, first they looked at her and they said she couldn't wear it because she was too, too big. So she had to lose 17 pounds, and she said, and I quote, "I had to wear a sauna suit twice a day, run on the treadmill, completely cut out all food, uh, and just uh, uh, to fit into the dress." Uh, Afterwards, of course, she had like six pizzas in her hotel room right after the Met Gala. But um, but no, this is she's going to be on the offensive line for the Jets. That's here nor there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, pulling guard. But listen, I think the 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 the, the take. I think you're looking at this wrong. I, I think the takeaway here is that we have people like chad michael morissette who are willing to add on their own dime by the mm-hmm. way on their own dime to go to the ripley's museum which i didn't even know there was one and mm-hmm. examine carefully this dress to detail all of the damage done by the girth of kim kardashian to dress. i mean this is a piece of americana right this is very similar to the uh um, the betsy ross flag a paul revere he said, um, "Yeah, that type of thing." Right? Joe Biden's boxer shorts. So this is what we're this is what we're talking about. It's a piece of Americana, but we have people so interested in this, like Chad Michael Morris said, uh, that they're uh, willing to stand on that wall for all of us, Brad, and protect these national treasures.
1: Well, buddy, I'm glad you brought that up because that that is a point that I missed. Is you know, where we could have also interjected stop signs into this would have been the whole idea of someone who appears to be a private citizen who purports to be an expert at dresses, particularly those belonging to Marilyn Monroe, particularly those that have crystals on them, particularly those that have had a erstwhile porn star stuffed into them and then worn to some form of galley. He seems to be an expert on all of those things. And where was he when this whole thing was in the offing? I mean, you would have thought with people gluing themselves to floors or securing themselves to the French open tennis nets or, you know, other forms of Protesting Jackassery, that Mister Morissette could have, you know, maybe glued himself to the dress, or you know, something of that nature, and prevented this whole tawdry scene. So where where was he? I mean, do want to talk about day late and a dollar short?
2: In, in any event, Silas, anything to add on this? I think you
0: guys did a did a really nice job covering that.
2: Thank you, thank yes. you. Okay, Brad. Well, let's with with that great input. It's a wonder we don't have guests <laughs> every week. Let's. Um, go ahead and move on to the Biden watch. We talked a little bit about Biden and the economy earlier on. Um, We now have um, the new White House press secretary, who, by the way, is just just terrific, just terrific. And and actually, she has pointed to sort of a different take on the economy. She said that the uh, Biden agenda has sparked a quote, a historic economic boom Um, And this in light of the fact that the Dow plunged into bear market territory this week, um, claimed uh, she also claimed that Americans are, quote, well positioned to face the challenges. Thanks to thanks to President Biden to face the economic challenges that they're seeing. As we said, inflation is sky high. Um, People are paying record amounts of taxes to the government. It's just literally sending money out to the states for these crazy still for these crazy. Uh, COVID programs. They just don't work. Uh, yet, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre uh, says that the American people are better than ever positioned um, to face any challenges because of the historic economic gains made by the Biden agenda. So the question, I guess, is, I mean, are these people nuts? Well, buddy, they're, they're only nuts
1: in the same way that any extremist is nuts, right? I mean, these folks—you got to recognize, and I think most people do—that progressiveism, at the levels at which it's being currently played in our government and in other places around our country, is a religion, right? And so it's—it's it's ironically a religion that largely removes the idea of a god, but it is a religion, right? It has rules, and you follow those rules or you place yourself in a position to suffer the wrath of the Orthodox, right? I mean, and if you you think, for, as I, you listen to my voice, you're like, wait a minute, they have a religion. Think about it for a second. Progressivism is absolutely a religion, and as is the case with many religions, if the Orthodox leadership of that religion says it, then it's just true, right? And for you to question it is to be a, A heretic, right? To be unorthodox, to be heretical. And so, you know, that's where we found ourselves, right? And it has people shaking their heads and wondering, well, how can you stand at the podium in the White House press room and say, you know, Americans are in a better position than they've ever been? The economy is gangbusters. It's amazing. President Biden is doing a wonderful job and not, you know, have to stop and look at yourself and say, I got to get out of here. I need help, right? How can
2: you do that? Well, you can do that. If you believe that just saying it makes it so. Anyway, uh, Brad, uh, this week uh, and, and Silas, this week uh, Jean Pierre was on the Don Lemon show mm-hmm. on CNN. You know Don Lemon, Don mm-hmm. Lemon, um, and he, he he basically asked her. He said, "Does the president um, have the wherewithal? Is he capable of uh, actually running again and winning an election?" And um, you know this is coming from Don Lemon, who is. You know, a very, very progressive liberal dude, and um, Jean Pierre actually went some, some, she, she gasped and then she uh said, I can't believe you're even asking that question. Uh, he's the president of the United States, and they both moved on. But um, it just goes to show in this society, you, you just if you have favorable press coverage, you just you can basically do whatever you want. I mean, anyone that would be stunned by anyone asking why this doddering old fool is allowed to serve as president um, and continue to embarrass us in in the country and outside the country uh, has every right to do so based on literally everything he's done over the last couple of years. And for someone to actually pretend to be mortified by the posing of that question is astonishing. What he didn't ask, what he should have asked was, do you think the guy has the wherewithal to just
1: make it through the next 15 minutes
2: I mean at this point, whatever will be, will be. Um, but uh next, Brad, we go on to the royal family. I know how you love and admire the royal family. It's a big week for the royal family. Jubilee. Silas so probably there. Were you there? Yeah. The Jubilee? No, no, I didn't. I was not invited. Not invited. Surprise. No, no,
0: I'm not I'm not welcome in England anymore.
2: Oh, okay. Wow, what, the whole part? island? Um well,
0: so I had a problem with Turnbull and Asser about an overdue bill and a custom made suit.
2: There you have
0: it. Bounced from the country. Band a well, bar, depending how you.
2: Well, you uh, that's know. another segment. But in, in any event, big, big uh, goings on. The Queen uh, just had her Jubilee. I believe that's, Brad, when we, 150 years of. of oh, at least. Yeah, at least. 150 years on the, on the throne. Um, and, you know, now she's had to pull out of some of the big events because she's exhausted. She pulled out of the royal ascot, uh, the big, uh, the, big uh, you know, the big thing. And now, Brad, it's come to my attention, I believe through our producer, that we have another unsolved mystery to, to, to that's tied to the royal family, as during the Platinum Jubilee, while the Queen was out watching the beautiful planes, uh, including the Flying Tigers, I believe, flying uh, overhead, uh, there were kites, kites, Brad, um, uh, there was an unidentified flying object, a saucer, a UFO, a UFO in the, uh, in the sky. Uh, over London, over Buckingham Palace. And uh, now there's a full-on quest to find out what that saucer was, where it was from, and what message the aliens are sending us. So Brad, I said a lot there. What are your thoughts? Well, but I, 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 I guess my question is, how would they not be
1: there, right? I mean, even on alien worlds, no one has been on the throne as long
2: as this queen, right? So if, if you are- No, actually, Brad, can I stop you there? You can I had an uncle on my dad's side who spent a lot of time on the throne. No,
1: indeed. But there was the occasional, you know, <laughs> circumstance where he would get off, have a cigar, a cup of coffee, maybe some preparation age, and then get back on. <laughs> uh, but the, the queen is, to my knowledge, has been solidly on the throne of Britain for 150 years. And if you open up your morning paper- on you know the planet of kryptonite, and you see that uh, the a queen on planet Earth has been queen that long. You show up, right? You got the ability for that. You show up. Plus kites are majestic, are. and not all worlds have atmospheres that will support the flying of a kite. They are regal. They are majestic. They have tails. Who doesn't like them? Humans, aliens, all of us. And so I think when you combine a jubilee as well as kites then my question would be, how would the aliens not, j- I'm surprised there weren't 50 UFOs hovering over the palace, just sort of jockeying for
2: room. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, I completely agree with you. She's been on the threat a long time. I mean, in, in my uncle's defense, uh, there were days that would go by weeks where he'd just be on the, he'd, he'd like hold a court, like LBJ, only very different. Um, and, uh, but in any event, uh, look, this is a great event. This is an unsolved mystery. I don't, I don't think we can necessarily solve it today, but uh, I agree that uh, if you're going to send your flying saucer to earth, there's no better time to do it than uh, during the uh, Queen's Jubilee. Um, but uh, of course, David Pritterman, Brad Sheaf, we do mean business. Uh, you can learn more about us on our website, ipfrequently.com. We also encourage everyone uh, to go out wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, review, reflect a little bit, and then review again. If you want to mm-hmm. put up five good reviews, put up five. If you want to put up 10, put up 10. If you put up a bad review, we will find you. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure that bad review comes you down. You may not want to answer that knock. Yeah, that's that, That's a knock that's not going to end well mm-hmm. for somebody. Um, and, uh, and, and, of course, uh, we're uh, all over social media. Uh, and now we are uh, sort of uh, gearing up. For the big summer run, where everyone's positioning themselves for the election, and as we said earlier on today, the president's doing a, just doing swimmingly when it comes to uh, the economy, uh, inflation, um, immigration, foreign wars, um, energy policy—just just just batting a thousand. Um, and uh, as you see, the polls start to really show that the Republicans are most likely going to take over the House with a historic wave and take over the Senate with a closer wave. uh, You have people starting to react on the Democratic side to what could be a loss of power. And this week, Brad, the squad representative Bowman is a member of the squad and he has he's a male member of the squad. Wow. Yeah. okay, good for him. Uh, He is he has predicted there will be a civil war if the Republicans take control of the Congress in the midterms. He said in no uncertain terms, that this is war. uh, And he said that the socialists will rise up and uh, it would embolden uh, socialists to go out, socialists everywhere, really, to go out and fight uh, physically in hand-to-hand combat type thing Hmm. uh, in the streets uh, to not allow the Republicans to take over the House and or the Senate. Uh, Brad, do you think this is uh, responsible governing by Representative Bowman? Well, it certainly sounds like it. I mean I don't know what else you would say if you
1: were you know inclined to be influential in a democracy other than if you don't vote the way I want you to vote I will threaten you with violence. See that seems like the way you would want to go in a democracy. And the the one area where you may want to be a little bit careful is you may just you know may stay with me here for a second. May wander into a tad bit of hypocrisy if you are also parading around with respect to the January 6th insurrection, as I believe it's being called. So it's a little difficult for you to take the position on the one hand that when, again, your political opponents get out of hand and unruly and engage in violence while on the other hand saying, hey, if you don't vote the way I want you to vote, then I will threaten you with violence. So seem to be, you know, oddly similar.
2: Yeah, you know what's interesting? I, in, in the context of the January 6th hearings, you have a lot of people who are just up in, sort of like um, Jean-Pierre, when asked mm-hmm. the question about Biden and his uh, capability to run again, and eventually to function as a human being, being aghast. You have a lot of people who have very short-term short-term memory, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone at this January 6th hearing is, is outraged that anyone would question the results of an election and go so far as to talk about not seating certain um, electors from certain states. When in 2016, you'll recall, many celebrities did a commercial where they talked about resisting and they talked about electors voting their conscience, even if it went against what their state uh, electorate had voted for. Um, many members of Congress didn't want to and, and voted against uh, certifying the election results. And none of that was an insurrection. None of that was unpatriotic. None of, none of that resulted in them being called traitors. Um, and, and I don't. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with some of these election theories or the vote fraud theories. But at the same time, um, the double standard is just unreal in this in this country and people like this who you know decry violence on the one hand deploy it on the other to meet their you know, the ends that they want
1: well we we saw that right i mean we had all of this you know unquestionably left i mean not not even covertly right i mean we had all of this leftist violence primarily in the northwest but in other cities like austin as well where there was no one was being shy about it, right? It was antifa, they are the anti-fascists, they are very leftist. and you know, they were burning things and killing people and you know just disrupting commerce and all of these things. And of course, that was fine, right? Because that was following the Orthodox deployment of their religious principles. right So again, when you look at this through the appropriate lens, and you recognize that it is a religion, then they're allowed to do whatever they want to do, right? Because they are practicing the orthodox religion and no amount of violence, no amount of extreme behavior is too much when
2: you're on the side of right. Yep, it's unreal. I I do think the day of reckoning for a lot of these lunatics is coming um, this fall. Uh, Silas, do you have anything to say about this? Have you encountered a double standard at all on the high seas? I have not. Have you ever encountered a double overhand knot? I have. See, there you go. Uh, the next, Brad. Big news: the WHO, the World Health Organization, for those of you tracking at home, um, uh, is now out. And again, we're we're talking. One of the reasons Silas is here uh, is to talk about some of the diseases he sees in the high seas. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, are you talking about scurvy? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm talking about monkeypox. Uh, obviously, this is the new COVID monkeypox. Everyone is worried about it. Everyone thinks they have it. There are lines of people at the CVS trying to get the monkeypox vaccines. There are Brad. I believe there are 32 cases in the U.S. And President Biden has declared this a natural emergency. We probably have to shut down the offices again. Um, but for once, Brad, the voice of reason is the WHO, the World Health Organization, the people that gave you the game of function research that resulted in COVID-19 are now weighing in on the monkeypox. Well,
1: that's good news, buddy. I mean, it sounds like it's time to get the professionals in there. I mean, I I don't know how anyone has just the, the courage and just raw animal energy to leave their house when knowing that 32 people in a country of 330 million have come down with a completely survivable disease. But, you know, there are just heroes out there, my friend.
2: Yeah, and listen, the uh, WHO is a serious organization, uh, and they have now uh, issued a statement saying in the context of, and this is a quote, Brad, from the paper uh, that they issued, which I have in front of me in my uh, in my hands, quote, in the context of the current global outbreak of monkeypox, continued reference to and nomenclature of this virus being African in nature or called monkeypox is a uh, discriminatory and stigmatizing, and must stop. Uh, so the, uh, the WHO, Brad, is taking a stand. They no longer are going to call this monkeypox. What they're going to call it is beyond me. Um, but obviously, they're concerned about the stigma this could cause the monkeys. Um, and uh, they are stepping in. They're not going to take it anymore. Buddy, once again, I mean, we have we have these folks on the front
1: lines paying attention to all the most important things. Regardless of the nature of the pandemic, someone has to keep their eye on the ball, right? I mean, I don't care who gets sick, I don't care who may die, I don't, I don't care about any of those things. I don't care who may have a pox here, a pox there. I just don't care so long as someone is out there policing potential stigma and making sure that we never talk about where an illness unquestionably arises from. I mean, there is no debate on this topic. There is no real debate. Well, there is no debate on the fact that the COVID-19 arose in China. The only debate is whether or not it you know, suddenly spontaneously erupted out of the carcass of an animal in some wet market or whether or not it actually leaked from the lab where they were uh, undeniably experimenting with it. I, you know, nobody really questions that. And so, I, you know, I guess there is that, uh, but it came from China. Monkeypox comes from Africa it doesn't mean that Chinese people are bad it doesn't mean that folks from the continent of Africa are bad it doesn't mean any of that right? all viruses have to arise from somewhere i don't see it as being stigmatizing i don't think that i don't think there are pigs that are still you know hiding their faces in shame from the swine flu but i'm glad that someone is focused on what matters when it comes to public health and that is who is being inappropriately stigmatized
2: and listen, that is a good point, a good segue. And, you know, you're right. There are some people that you can, and we talked about you know, people being on that wall, like the gentleman who was strangely examining the Marilyn Monroe dress. Um, but th- th- this is an important point, right? People need to know what matters. People, look, can we agree, Brad, people should spend their time on worthwhile endeavors that uh, are are that 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 matter that means something that when you take time away from your family to do something like you and i do with this podcast it has to make common damn sense
1: well buddy i would hope so but unfortunately uh, we uh, we we walk around with skewed vision these days here in the good old Estado unidos so uh, what amounts to common sense anymore is far different today than what
2: both uh, my grandfather and your grandfather would have labeled common sense. Well, that's true, but I give you as exhibit A for what uh, what is what is going on, something right in the world, Happy the Elephant, Happy the Elephant at the Bronx Zoo, Brad, uh, an Asian elephant, Happy has been there for more than 40 years, okay, 40 years. Uh, recently, I think a couple of years ago, a group, a group of uh, individuals uh, from the, quote, non-human rights organization, Mm -hmm. an animal advocacy organization, filed a writ of habeas corpus um, to try to get uh, Happy the Elephant released into the wild, uh, supposedly somewhere in Queens. Um, And in order to file the writ of habeas corpus, you typically have to be a person. So this non-human rights group litigated the personhood of Happy the Elephant all the way up to the New York Court of Appeals, which in New York is the Supreme Court and by a five to two decision, Brad, a five to two decision, seven justices on the New York Supreme Court's presumably lawyers um, decided that the elephant Happy in the Bronx, who have been there forty years, um, was not a person. Which means, which means that two justices on the New York uh, Supreme Court uh, found that uh, uh, found that Happy was a person and was capable of having a uh you know a, a writ of habeas corpus filed on its behalf uh, presumably would sign it with a hoof print i guess or maybe a little wave of his tusk um but brad it seems like we're doing all the right things here and the guy examining the dress is looking better and better
1: yeah well i buddy, i I'm, i would not have been the least bit surprised if you had told me the new york court of appeals had come down 5 to 2 that the elephant was a person for purposes right of a writ of I mean, I'm a little bit pleased that it was only two of those folks who theoretically have college degrees and attended a law school, graduated there from, probably passed a bar, likely worked in the legal profession someplace, and probably had a judgeship prior to this one, that it was only two of those folks who looked at all the facts of this case and said, you know what we need? We need to be taking better care of elephants, what were you going to do if you won? Were you, were you going to take an elephant that had lived its entire life in captivity and and, and do
2: what? <laughs> put put it in the wild, you moron. Well, listen, listen, Brad, and and I would and I when I and I I've, I've studied this now because this is something that's come up, um, come up before. So the the legal team, and some call them the dream team, others do not um the legal team that brought this case this isn't their first rodeo so to speak in 2018 this legal team uh filed a another uh habeas corpus motion in the new york court of appeal i went up to the New york court of appeals on be- on behalf of two un- on behalf of two unnamed chimpanzees brad and uh at that point the court rejected the um the that was a, a 7-0 decision but now five to two and one of the justices that had dissented from this opinion with the with the elephant concurred in the chimpanzee case I believe it's something similar to the scopes Monkey trial hmm. Eugene M fehi a judge a lawyer, a serious adult wrote in his dissenting in his concurring opinion of the chimpanzee case quote the issue of whether a non-human animal has a fundamental right to liberty as a human protected by the writ of habeas corpus is profound and far-reaching it speaks to our relationship with all the life around us ultimately we will not be able to ignore this issue end quote so um Brad, it looks like uh, some of the justices are coming around. They weren't in the camp of the chimpanzees. They are in the camp of the monkeys or the elephant. I, at this point, I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, but uh, listen, this is going to be these, these lawyers are going to be back and they are not going to stop until we declare non-human animals human. Yeah, well, there you go, buddy. I mean, that you
1: know, the, he, he said it all. He said, I don't know how we're going to continue to get away with treating non-humans mm-hmm as though they were non-humans. I don't know how you can on the one hand declare something to be non-human and then say, but it has to have human rights. Those two things sort of don't go together. But then again, buddy, you and I are just, we're, we're, we're just two voices out there. We're just two men trying to be reasonable, trying to look out for the sanctity of monkeypox, so that no one is stigmatized by that, for the freedom of the elephant and his desire to Find himself in the wild where he would have no idea what to do and would be immediately killed. Uh, but you know, but but that's <laughs> these are the kinds of things that we do this podcast for. And by golly, we will continue to be on that wall. You will find us right back here next week on IP Frequently.
0: This has been IP Frequently once again clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.